0: Might check, one two, one two.
1: There's nothing a cup of tea can't help with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Everything works magic with the cup of tea, man.
1: I've got my morning tea. My tea break. The rainy season tea that just hits different. If
0: you think we're smart, yep, bang on. If you think we're crazy, hey, you're right on that as well.
1: So here we are, your hosts, always in front of, talking about everything under the sun on our podcast, Ek Dam Karak.
0: Okay, the past couple of weeks has seen a certain number of sports return back to the screens and back to the field. We've had football come back, uh, a lot of Premier League games and the German League as well. Uh, that's been going on well. Uh, but there are certain sports that are yet to return to the screen and... Like us, if you still have some sports withdrawal symptoms, we're gonna give you a list of a couple of documentaries that you can catch on. So let's compile to so here's the list,
1: here we go. Yep, the first one I think uh, both of us have eagerly been watching Absolutely. is on. Netflix's Formula One drive to survive, yes. am I right? yes
0: 100 100 percent netflix
1: struck gold with that i'm um, telling you netflix struck gold with that i loved it i love the fact i think uh, you know the best part about drive to survive the insights and uh, it mainly focused on like eight uh eight, eight formula one race teams
0: I, um, think the first, good
1: coverage.
0: I think in the first season uh, it was a bit restricted
1: right in the fir- yeah
0: in the first season it was a bit restricted uh, but it still managed to cover the sport so well the sport and the personalities that are involved in it
1: let's let's break oh, it yeah. down let's
0: break it down season by season so let's go cool. you do the first one me do the first one okay yep, the no. first se- the first season i think it's very clear that everyone's almost favorite Character is uh, Haas F1's uh, team principal, uh, Gunther (laughs) Simon. He's everyone's favorite because he's he's kind of like this cracking attitude. You know, he's he loses his temper just like everyone else. He's a bit abusive, which is you know given the pressure. Of course, we can all understand that. And I think above all, he just loves racing, man. He's a bird, He's passionate about his team. He's passionate about his work. Hassaf won again. They came. In, they're in the sport so young. They've done brilliantly. Apart from the fact that they've had these repeated mistakes that they do, I think that's been covered in trying to survive really well. And mm-hmm. the other bit is um, covering uh, Red Bull's journey. Red Bull's journey, Red Bull's journey, and Max Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo's ongoing battles—that was covered completely. Like that was covered really well. To me, that was covered. Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. Oh, yes. How about you?
1: I I, really in the first season I loved the Red Bull coverage. That's Mm -hmm. one thing I loved because. I think I've drawn some sort of an affiliation to it's Red Bull. Uh, I I do like uh, their strategies considering how they make efficient usage of their resources. Hmm. They're pretty smart with it. Uh, And uh, they had two great drivers on board in the 2018 season. 18, yeah. Ricardo and Verstappen. Hmm. Uh, But it's uh, and and fast forward from there. I think the first uh, The first season also included Mercedes and Ferrari. Is it? No, the first season did not
0: have the top two. The first season did not have the top two. They had Renault. uh, The issue, the uh, issues with the Renault engines, uh, dependent. Issue
1: with the Renault engines. Yeah, the
0: uh, the longevity and the what do you say? The ah fuck. Yeah, basically issues with Renault and the engine. Reliability, reliability is the word. Reliability, there. yeah. Uh, they had Haas. They had
1: uh, Haas. Is, ha- they featured uh, quite a bit about Haas in the second season as well. So it yeah. it also has uh, a bit of piece from Danny Ricardo. And yeah, they Haas had. Uh,
0: they had uh, a bit about Carlos Sainz as well. Right, Sainz. Macla- as well. Oh, how can I forget? They had McLaren. Fernando Alonso, yes. McLaren, um,
1: <laughs> Stoffel Vandoorne. Oh yeah, absolutely. A
0: GP two engine. You always have to leave the space. <laughs> how can you? How can you not miss the guy? Um, I feel like that's, that was one character uh, with the wrong car at his peak. I feel uh, when he was a Renault, he did amazing things. You know, he's he's basically the man that beat Schumacher. So. Oh yes and then jump to his Ferrari time. No, uh, it was just a big mismatch for me at that time. And, and then at McLaren, I mean, I'm sure he's been instrumental to the development of the team, but him in terms of getting opportunities, uh, you know, being successful at the team, uh, wouldn't quite say that.
1: Oh, yeah. I think he missed out a lot as a driver at McLaren. Mm -hmm. Even if he was there at the team in 2019, when I think uh, Norris, Lando Norris joined the team in 19 or 19, yes. 19? Yeah. McLaren did so much more better as a mid-table team uh, Mm -hmm. with Lando Norris. I think if Alonso was still around, he Mm -hmm. could have had a chance to take a shot at the big boys. Okay, not not Ferrari or um, Not Ferrari and Mercedes, but definitely Red Bull. Uh, But But again, it comes down to his wages though. Right?
0: There's a whole lot of talk about his wages and how high they are. Would a team like Red Bull go for him? Why why risk it? Why risk it with such such an
1: expensive driver,
0: you know? That's the question they'd be asking.
1: Okay, that's one of the reasons why they didn't have him on the team anyway. Uh, They didn't have him. Yeah, but I think the second season of Drive to Survive focused. Mm. Up, you know, it had uh, Danny Ricciardo and his change from Red Bull to Renault. Uh, yeah. Carlos signs from Renault to uh, McLaren. Charles and Leclerc from Charles Leclerc. to uh, Ferrari. Ferrari. Yeah, and that was uh, that was a master master stroke from uh, Ferrari. Yeah. I'm gonna say it now, um, the best episode
0: was from Harkin. The best episode was from Hawken. <laughs> I love that for me was a standout
1: in this season, in the second season. Second season, right? Yeah. It, I think oh, there's the humorous quips where um, <laughs> like, John, you know, he went flashing <laughs> everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, really I forget, got one. Okay, did he shut uh, Did he slam
0: my door? When Gunter Steiner, Like, did he slammed my door on oh, Yeah,
1: yeah, right? we can't Yeah. He the yeah. celebrity status in season one. I think yeah. he, he took it on very well. Yeah. Man, I do have yeah. I do feel
0: for I feel bad for Nico Hockenberg though. You know that little yeah. moment they had in the plane where he asks Cyril, when am I gonna get my private plane? When am I gonna get my own <laughs> private plane? And Cyril just goes like when you get your first podium. And well, that, yeah, man, that was just uh, an uncalled attack, you know. It was just just uncalled it
1: from that. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, the season two also, you know, the Carlos signs how. Mm-hmm. I think and now he's joining Ferrari, so his yes. growth has been tremendous from mm. uh, Renault to McLaren and McLaren to uh, Ferrari now. The story, his story, in the final episode where you know he secures the McLaren's uh, first podium in five years. That comes yeah. after Lewis, Ham- Lewis Hamilton's penalty. So mm. that was one great. Uh, it was a great episode because McLaren really needed that. Carlos Sainz really Absolutely. needed that. And this was in uh, this was in Brazil. This was in Brazil. It was in Brazil. Yeah. yeah. And you know, these instances don't come a lot because you, I don't know if you seem to notice, but FIA seems to have some sort of an inclination towards Mercedes. Wait, they don't I've been saying this for a long words. time now.
0: I've been saying this for a very long time. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Wait, Canada is an example. Yeah. I know, I yeah. know like a lot of people will disagree with this. Wait, actually, that's quite debatable though. Nah, that's quite debatable. Oh, what sure? happened in Canada between Sebastian Metal and Lewis Hamilton? I don't know. Yeah, a, okay. yeah, yeah. Incident. You remember that? Wait, where? Uh, yeah. End of the race. Sebastian just takes the, you know, the number.
1: The yeah. number two and puts it in front of yeah.
0: yeah. In Ferrari. an empty spot, he basically puts it in an empty spot When where his Ferrari was supposed to be parked, but he did.
1: He did. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I see. I still see clips of it. So yeah. It does have a message to it.
0: Yeah. Right, that was, our first, uh, that was our first pick and I, I think both of us, you we know, love that. Not quite sure what they're going to cover in uh, Season 3 because the season has already been cut short uh, given the oh, yeah. pandemic crisis. But a lot has happened in the transfer market, so we might get something from there, you never know. And the eSports as well, so we might get some sort of footage, footage behind the scenes from the eSports, you never know. Um next what's your next option? What's your next? Let's go
1: with I yours. Uh, I put the first one out, you get the oh, second. Well. For me it would definitely
0: be uh the Amazon the Amazon uh, series called The Test. Uh about the Australian cricket teams uh rise from the sand, you know the sandpaper scandal that happened in South Africa. Okay. So how the team without their experienced players, David Warner uh, and Stink, Steve right? Smith. Yeah, how they you know basically had to restructure and program themselves. New coach, okay. new bunch of players. Um, the reason why, uh, okay, this is this is basically how I see cricket.com.au. They've had their they have been brilliant over the past couple of years in terms of content production. I would say they were the first sort of cricketing uh what do you say, the cricketing establishments you could say uh okay. to have their own in-house production they've been producing content from say 20, 2014 2015 from around that time so there they have been videographers there have been camera crew members in the on the field as well as like within the dressing rooms so in okay. terms of content production uh, cricket Australia have been leading in that department. So, getting Amazon to do this documentary, I don't think it, I don't think it's being weird for. I mean, it's definitely not a different sort of feeling for any of the cricket players when you know when you have a camera crew in the dressing room, and your lowest yeah. of lows, sure, trust, trusting trusting a camera at your face. You know, you have scenes of Usman Quaid down in tears when he had the when he had his injury. You had times of Aaron Finch sitting in the dressing room, just contemplating his form. You know, you have all these low moments. You have the time when the Australian cricket team comes in after the heading Test. Uh, Steve Smith when he came back uh, into the dressing room, Lords. You have all these low moments. Which you know you would you would think that you know camera uh, crewmen like camera crew won't be allowed to film it or something, but it's all being captured so well, and I think that's what we all look for in sports: these moments yeah. of the lows and the moment of highs yeah. as well. There is actually this really, uh, this is really good scene uh, after, right after the heading test in the team meeting in the hotel where Tim Payne. Is basically uh, having a sort of heated uh, debate or discussion, you can say, with the Australian coach Justin Langer. Uh, it was okay. this whole discussion about why Jack Leach was in the strikers' end, was allowed to take a single and give Ben Stokes uh, the strike. Normally, and I think everyone will agree with this, you don't give an option in that scenario for the yeah. number 10 exactly. the batsman. Take a single and give your best batsman the strike. You you generally wouldn't do that. You would get your feeders in, try and restrict that. But somehow, I feel the, the captain probably didn't come across that campaign. Maybe it was a different thinking. And that sort of discussion just shows the, the nature. And it shows the side of Justin Langer as well, like how he's been with the team. And it's, it's just really nice to see that. There's also... Okay, for anyone who wants to get an insight about the sandpaper scandal, it would be disappointing for them because there's nothing in it. So everything moved on, like you move on from that incident. There's nothing in depth about that particular incident. But if you want that, you want to see a bit about that incident, I
1: think I would suggest
0: documentary
1: Crossing the Line. Crossing the Line? Yeah. That was. That was a good description about the test. I think I was I was eagerly waiting for the part where you talk about the sandpaper scandal. Yeah, That was one of the uh, low oh, of the Australian cricket team.
0: Yeah, uh, that's unfortunate. so unfortunately that's not being covered. Uh, again, that will be a bit disappointing to all of the viewers. But yeah, uh, if anyone's looking for that, they can probably
1: check out Crossing the Line okay that sounds good yeah. so that was the uh the, the documentary amazon. the test yeah the test on amazon so you all can watch it It uh, sounds pretty exciting for yeah. all yeah. cricket fans yeah. so our third pick of our documentary would be the last dance do you agree with that oh, absolutely yep. I, okay. I'm, I'm actually sitting here
0: thinking was it on number three I, it it
1: there's no chronology in it. Oh, there's no okay. I mean, there's fine, no, fine, no, fine. Absolutely, there's no chronology. absolutely. Yeah, because um, this is one of uh, one of the greatest documentaries I feel is out there about mm-hmm. such a huge personality as yeah. Jordan. He dominated the sports landscape in the nineteen nineties. You know, his mm-hmm. presence was just everywhere in the NBA. He was synonymous with the NBA, and this documentary especially tracked his progress as a superstar you know the superstar tag that he carried during that time his uh, improvisational uh, system which was called the triangle offense in the documentary mm. uh, his, his nemesis the detroit pistons uh, and then it also talks about you know the rise and the lows of jordan as well i think there was uh, there were talks about the controversies and the lows of his career his widely publicized gambling exploits it was talked about in yeah it was talked about in the documentary his father's murder his father's murder yes yes i i didn't i didn't
0: expect that bit to be covered but they've done a fairly good job in you know covering that yeah
1: yeah and then you know it also talked about uh that being the reason, his father's murder being one of the reasons for his early retirement. From you know, considering how uh, talented Michael Jordan was and the peak of his career, his why did he per- choose to pursue a comparatively shorter career in professional basketball? Yeah. So, all of these topics were greatly covered in uh, The Last Dance. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's do you want to talk about it? yeah of course uh, <laughs> my
0: favorite moments of course uh, would be i think it's just you know how they say pictures speak a thousand words yeah. Oh, yeah. you speak a thousand words but then when you put this into a video my god the first uh, championship that michael jordan won that was no, really defining that was in, that was in fact a defining moment for the whole documentary that set the tone that yeah. basically was Michael Jordan um, as a winner, and then there are these little, well, there are these clips when you know when Michael Jordan, dare I say, he was being a dick to his teammates, you know.
1: <laughs> that was one of the highlights of uh, yeah the, of the documentary.
0: Yeah, but fair to say, again, the whole documentary just shows what an elite mentality he has. Not many, cha- not many people have that. That's what differentiates the, the champions. That's what. You can win. You can be. You can be good at something that you're doing. But then to reach that elite level, there's a whole different mindset to it. And the whole documentary just explored that mindset. You had his teammates talking about him. You had uh, Steve Kerr, Cody Pippen. You had uh, Dennis Rodman. Right. I think Dennis Rodman again was. Uh, I think exploring Dennis Rodman again was such a character. It was such a character, and it was good to see that. Was, yeah, I. I was just speaking about this to a few of my friends, and if I was to pick someone in the footballing landscape sure. equivalent to Dennis Rodman in terms of the personality and the vibes, I would go somewhere with. Uh, for me, it would be somewhere in the mixture between uh, Pogba and Arturo Vidal.
1: <laughs> it would be Your somewhere shit house be at times and pure quality at times. <laughs> yeah, Your shit house be at times and pure quality at times. Just the attitude for me of Arturo Vidal, man. Uh, just okay. like
0: the whole attitude, and in terms of, yeah, even a mix of Bhagwan as well, but the quality, of course, of vodka. The quality, of that's
1: course.
0: That's lovely. Cons- a- and, and the constant, um, you know, the media light on him.
1: I, uh, I couldn't get here.
0: Oh, yeah, and the constant media, uh, thing, that, the, the highlight of the media is it's always on him, the media coverage that's always on him. Those bits as Oh, well. yeah. I would pick that.
1: There were a lot of controversies about the media coverage as well, as in uh, when the amount of uh, backroom footage Mm -hmm. the uh, documentary had, I think, I don't think a lot of other teams were allowed on that. So, this had to do with Michael Jordan's uh, production company was it coming up at that point of time and NBA's uh, in-house entertainment system Mm -hmm. there seemed to be a lot going on over there considering the star status of Michael Jordan Mm -hmm. and NBA were infamously this came out as a news as we call it conspiracy a lot of people talk about it and how NBA capitalized on a star status There's, Mm -hmm. there's been there have been these stars of NBA the faces of NBA throughout it have been Michael Jordan uh proceeding from that, uh, it had been Kobe Bryant and then LeBron James Stephen Curry so using these people how NBA profited from it so you know the amount of back, backroom footage in the wow. documentary is unreal for me to see wow. that in a documentary I was like okay that's that's allowed so that's the kind of thing that yeah you know, when I saw this uh, documentary it struck me
0: damn, damn. Yeah. yeah I what you want to go with next what's your so, the next pick, what would you say?
1: Okay, I would go with one of my personal favourites from a uh, recently watched documentary. It's called Concrete Football. Okay, yes, finally, we move on to football. Football is back, of course.
0: The, the, what What the fuck is it called?
1: What about? What, what, what is, it, is it like the gentleman's game, people's game? What, what is it called? Ah, the beautiful, beautiful game. game. <laughs> so, my next pick would be something from the beautiful game. Mm-hmm. It's called the documentary Concrete Football. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a beautiful documentary that highlights the many people living in Parisian ponelous That's what, mm-hmm. what it's called in French. These mm-hmm. colonies, the streets, you know, the street football and the culture wow. that runs deep, uh, it runs deep in France. You, it, it talks about the immigrants in France and how they've taken this, uh, the the local football pitch by storm. It's not called just football, literally the heart of their community, Mm. concrete football. Uh, I think just to to touch on that point where you
0: mentioned community, I think it's common everywhere when you, in in terms of street football as well, it's, I think it's like a way of life. I think you and me can relate to it very much. Uh, you and me can much. relate to it very much in terms of saying it's just it was just like being in another world when you're playing football with your mates from like say you get, you have a slot in like that like four say four in the evening till about the next three hours we never cared about anything else. we had the ball in our feet you have, it was just on the streets. You went sliding in even though you were on a concrete floor. You didn't care. Oh, yes. Yeah. We didn't care what you, we didn't care if we had glass on the ground, whether you were bare feet, whether you were wearing the best Nike shoes or the added up shoes out there. It didn't matter. And It didn't matter. It, it, I, mean, I think even in terms of uh, skills, you didn't have to be the best skilled player. You
1: just had to put everything in the game, okay? you know? Oh, yeah. I agree with that one because I was you and i when we talk about concrete football and yeah. the street football culture that we spend a majority of our childhood playing street football and mm. that's right it's not just it's not just a game that it's a way of life you we grew up among people from all all parts of the world we learned about a lot of things that we probably wouldn't learn in a classroom Absolutely. being with these people a Absolutely. lot about life a lot about friendship a lot about the game we learned from this but this documentary particularly highlights that and you know how this has helped form some of the most uh, successful professional footballers of mm-hmm. today's time like there's a cameo from Mehdi Benatia there's wow. a cameo from Riyad Mahrez there's a cameo from Sergio Auger there's cage matches oh wow so, those yeah. are one of those are one of my favorite scenes in the documentary you can find it's there on youtube as well it's yeah, I'm a,
0: sure. i think i missed out on this
1: I think I've missed out. Missed out like I'm like definitely going to go check this
0: out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, even, ones. even, uh, and that's the thing when you, especially when you have players like Riyad Mahrez and Sergio or you, you when you see their story. Like you and me, they started on the streets. They started on the streets and they're there right now because of their passion for the game, their love for the game. And that, that's, the street teaches you that. The street teaches you that to l- always love the game. And it's as simple as that, it's as simple as that, honestly.
1: The passion comes from the most humblest of beginnings. Yeah, And These absolutely. people show it, they prove it that they've got the passion and the desire. You know, one of the best things about the documentary is how a lot of immigrants who come from uh, African countries, mm-hmm. uh, Morocco and, and all of these countries on the borders, that share mm-hmm. the borders, how they seem to adjust uh, because of football so these young people these young kids the only means of making friends for them the only means of uh, solidarity with the french people their connect with the community is football it's football yeah that speaks a lot it really does speak a lot absolutely
0: man absolutely
1: right so, yeah. That's my pick. Uh, one one of the must-watch football documentaries that I mm. have enjoyed a lot, and I would recommend a lot of other people who love football, especially street football. If you want to know Absolutely. what street, street, cult, street culture is, you need to watch this documentary.
0: I think the next couple of picks are uh, the next couple of picks are again uh, cricket-related documentaries. Uh, keep them short. Uh, one particular documentary you absolutely have to catch up on is Two Nations and One Obsession. It's a two-part series where there's a brilliant coverage of two cricket-playing nations. The DNA of cricket is well within them, you know. Different DNA's of course, but they absolutely love their cricket. You know, you have uh, the Australians who have such a rich history when it comes to players such as Don Bradman, Ricky Ponting. You have uh, you have Dennis Lilly, one of the most ferocious scary fast bowlers and then you have in India you have the cricketing god considered so uh, in such Searching Tendulkar you have uh, Rising Star in Virat Kohli back in 2014 who was young, ferocious um, then you have Sunil Gavaskar uh, this documentary does a really good job in covering in almost the history of the two countries, you know, for a long BCCI was considered uh, not so. Good. The, uh, the cricket, uh, the cricket, the sport of cricket as such was, you know, much under the monopoly of the English cricket board. Uh, uh, but when, but over the years, that has changed. A lot of power now resides with the BCCI, which is the Indian cricketing board. So with that kind of power, you it, it also explores the monkey gate scandal which happened back in 2018 between Harbhajan and between Indian bowler Harbhajan Singh and Australian uh, cricket player Andrew Simons Simons? the whole cover up with the whole issue everything that went on behind the scenes they have managed to do they have managed to cover it well here and I think a few names just Harsha Bogle, Ravi Shastri who is now the uh current indian cricketing coach i think names and Alan border these are names that, that just uh go uh, that just like really goes well you know in terms of giving an insight to the history uh, to the competition between the two nations that is one and the other one would be fire in Babylon. why i say fire in babylon now is in relevance to all the racism and the racism issues that is ongoing across the world. Um, Fire in Babylon talks about success stories of the West Indies cricket team back in the 80s and 90s. It's not just the success, though. It's not always about the success. It's also about their hardships. You know, with uh, Clive Lloyd putting together such a young team and over the years, how they go and dominate in finding players such as Joel Gardner. You have Michael Holding. You have... <clears throat> You have know, players such as the dominant cricket batsman, Vivian Richards. So it's a really good story, but at the same time, they focus on a really important matter, which is racism. You know, how these players were constantly called names, how they were constantly abused, how the laws, in fact, the media, in fact, targeted them. When you have players like Jeff Thompson and Richard, uh, when you had players like Jeff Thompson and Dennis Lilly
1: bowling dead. Hold on for a second. Sorry. Just- we're talking about, oh. yeah, so fire in Babylon, uh, it's, it's very relevant to the
0: times that we're in when you have the media and the people targeting you just because of the color or the culture of the place where you come from. That should raise a lot of eyebrows, you know. It was back back then, times were different, of course, and you had the media uh, targeting the West Indies bowlers for bowling all the deadly bouncers, calling them. Oh, yeah. and, you know, they're terrorizing the players, showing them as terrorists. As You know, they're using deadly force and uh, oh, yeah. apparently they're going to kill the batsman that's out there. Give me a break. Give me a break. You had players such as Jack Thompson and Dennis Lilly in uh, the Australian team that was literally terrorizing batsmen. What? Oh, yeah. and, and they were heroes down in Australia. They were heroes in the cricketing world. No, they were absolute idols, but when, some, when someone from the Caribbean comes up, why the difference? That's the question that this particular documentary raises. And again, it's just in those times, but well-documented and one that all cricket purists should watch. Both these documentaries, this one, these are for the cricket purists out there.
1: I came across a piece of news today. Mm-hmm. I think it was a statement from uh, a West Indian cricketer where is there is a rule in cricket as and you can bowl uh, one bouncer per over in T20s is it so is that yeah. You're
0: right.
1: yeah
0: yeah
1: Uh yeah so now that you spoke about uh, the documentary mm-hmm. and the terrorizing bounces from the West Indies so those rules were called in after that yeah yeah they were called in in 1991 Hmm. uh the rule came into existence in 1991 and i think uh the 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 terms that were given to the western bowlers as terrorists and uh, potential (laughs) killers for delivering bowls at such speed is just unfair because if someone of uh, a lighter colored skin would do that they would not be branded with such a name. I'm not
0: sure as to how they used the words as terrorists. I mean, there was definitely a portrayal of that sort, but I think in terms of terrorizing the backs, I think that yeah, was obviously. sort of the <laughs> word. yeah, that's that's sort of the wording that went into it. Yeah.
1: So there you go. There are our top six documentaries that you definitely need to catch up on. But not but in chronological not just, order. But not in chronological. Not, yeah. Order. Yeah. You
0: doesn't,
1: there's no chronology in it. Yeah, uh, we didn't rank them. It's just our personal favorites uh, that we've yeah. been watching during this whole lockdown, the whole situation. And I think yeah. it would be a real entertainment for you guys to look at, uh, look at it as well. Mm-hmm. We have, we have documentaries ranging from motorsports to football to cricket to NBA. So I think a lot of you guys can resonate with that. Yeah.